Hi, welcome back to Longmont Church of the Nazarene Online. Just quickly, uh, a couple of announcements. A reminder that we do meet in our church parking lot for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., and that will be true this coming Sunday, um, the 6th of September. However, I want you to know that on the 13th there will be a change. Um, we will be moving our worship time up to 10 o'clock. Um, it's supposed to be, the morning low is supposed to be 46 to 48 that day, so we thought that we'd be able to move the time up to 10 o'clock and it would still be comfortable outside. And we do have someone, uh, a, a special guest that day. His name is Richard Kaiser. He's an accomplished guitarist who's won any number of music awards uh, in the gospel music and country music fields. And um, he will be with us uh, for our worship service next Sunday morning, uh, a week from Sunday, the 6th, the 13th, actually. But I also want you to know that um, for those of you who are just watching online, he will do a performance for the online audience. Um, it will be probably a more abbreviated version of what we will get on Sunday morning. But want you to want you to know that that's what you can expect uh, for the um, online presentation on Sunday the 13th. Also a reminder that we do meet in the parking lot on Thursday evenings at 6.30 for prayer. And we would love to have anyone who feels safe and comfortable and is so inclined to join us. Um, I think we're all aware of some of the serious issues that we have to pray for in our country. Certainly um, the upcoming election would not be the least of these. And, of course, we're praying for spiritual renewal and revival in our land. It would encourage you to join us in that prayer effort. And we do want to begin with a word of prayer before we get into today's message. So join me. Father, we come to you today, creator, Lord of all, all things seen and unseen. You have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And Father, if we just think about that for a moment, it begins to help us realize what, how incredibly big, how incredibly awesome, how incredibly magnificent you are. And we thank you for your grace that you extend to us daily and your mercies that are new every morning and your great faithfulness and your everlasting love and the blood of Jesus that still cleanses from sin and and the power of the resurrection and the scripture tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's in, at work in us through your Holy Spirit. What, what incredible things, Lord God, you have done and are doing in and for and through us. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word today. The Ten Commandments are something that we know as a nation of kind of, I guess you could say, fallen out of favor. They've been removed, uh, for the most part, from public view. And yet, I think when we realize some of the things that are going on in our land, uh, the moral slide we've taken, um, the violence, the destruction, the division, Lord God, it is 
important, it's vital for us to return to and be renewed in our acquaintance with the Ten Commandments and your rules for right living for our lives. And, and Father, as we are praying for revival in our land, we know that revival begins with your people, the church. And even in these weeks as we look at the Ten Commandments, look into the Ten Commandments and, and how we apply those to our lives, what they mean to us or should mean to us. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. If there's areas in our lives, if there are commandments that we have ignored, that we have disobeyed, that somehow we've said, well, really, that's not important. Maybe that one is, that one's not. I pray, Father, that you convict us about that and that we repent of those things because repentance, Father, is the step that leads to revival. And then we pray for our country. Uh, there are a lot of things going on right now that um, are distressing, heartbreaking. Lord God, you are a God of peace. You're a God of unity. You're a God of love and care and compassion. And we have a desperate need to have those things restored in the hearts and minds of people and, and in cities right now that are undergoing terrible suffering because of those who are inflicting pain and misery on others through their actions. We pray, Lord, that you would bring peace to those places. In the place of riot, we pray that you would bring revival for your honor and glory and for the sake of Jesus and the kingdom. And we pray all this in his strong name. Amen. Three elderly women were sitting together at the seniors' home bragging about their relationship with their sons. One begins, My son is so devoted to me. For my birthday, he gave me an all-expense-paid cruise around the world. The second pipes in, That's nothing. Mine threw a huge catered affair for me and flew in my friends from all over the country. The third woman smirks at them both. Without a doubt, my son is the most devoted. Three times a week he goes to his therapist. $130 a session he pays. And who does he talk about the whole time? Me. Our text today is uh, Exodus 20, verse 12. It's the fifth commandment. It deals with parents and children. And I want to read that together with you, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And it says this, and this is the NIV, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. First of all, I think we need to take note um, of the change in emphasis now. The first four commandments have been a little different than this one. All the commandments basically have something to do with honor. The first four are about honoring God. The fifth through the tenth commandments are about honoring our fellow man. 
And at the top of the list for honoring our fellow man is the most important of our human relationships, and that's the relationship that we have with our family. You know, the nuclear two-parent family is becoming rarer in our culture. But this is a two-parent, but it is the two-family, two-parent family that this commandment addresses. It's a, it's a clear reflection, this commandment, of God's original intent for the family. A man and a woman in covenant relationship with children. Honor your father and mother. So this is talking about parents and children. But our culture has sought and somewhat successfully to, to redefine the structure of the family. They've sought to reshape our definition of the family to include almost any and every grouping of people imaginable. The world is trying to remake the family in its image. But rest assured, God's design for the family has not changed. But in order for us to understand how profoundly this commandment applies to us, God made sure that it was repeated in the New Testament. In Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3, it says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So, This commandment not only speaks to how we're to behave in the family, but gives us a clear picture of what the structure of the family is to be. So why why should we honor our father and mother? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First of all, we are to honor the, the position of parenthood. There are three primary sources of authority in our lives. The home, the church, and the government. Each of these sources of authority form a basis for an orderly society, and they have roles to play. Each of them have roles to play in our lives. God wants us to honor the position of parenthood. It's a place, it's a position of authority, regardless of the personality behind it. See, respect for authority begins at home. It's, it's a critical lesson that every child should, should learn. You know, the, the child who grows up saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do, is going to have a hard time with authority. In all likelihood, they'll struggle in keeping a job. It, that attitude can make life in general difficult for them. God placed parents in a position of authority over us from the time we are born, and he wants us to respect our parents. We are to respect their position of authority. But in too many homes, the wrong people are in charge. You, may, you probably know what I mean. In Ephesians 6.1, and again in Colossians 3.20, let me quote these for you. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You know, uh, in the home I grew up in, 
If I dishonored my parents through rudeness, disrespect, or disobedience, retribution was swift and decisive. My parents had a firm belief in corporal discipline. They took the spare the rod thing pretty seriously. I had no doubt who was in charge. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Timothy, Timothy gives us, well, excuse me, Paul in writing to Timothy gives us a pretty unsavory list of things that will be evident in the last days. And he says this, but mark this, there will be ter- terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and take note here, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people, he says. So one reason we this commandment is given for us is to teach us to respect the position of authority that parenthood has. And then this, the second thing, this is a commandment with a promise. So that you may live long in the land. Do this, it says, so that you may live long in the land. Ron Mel in his book, The Tender Commandments, says it this way. So that we might live. So that we might not be weighed down or taken captive by bitterness. So that we might not come to destruction. So that we might enjoy God's good gifts to us through the days of our lives. Honor your mother and father for these reasons. This is the benefit of doing so. And there's no time limit or age limit on this. As long as our parents are alive, God says to honor them. But let me say this as well. It's easier to honor parents who live honorably. Honoring our parents is definitely the right thing to do. But as parents, we have a responsibility to live honorably. Now, not all do that, I understand. But as Christians... This is our responsibility. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says fathers, and there's a little you know, footnote there. It directs, to, directs you to a footnote. In, in my Bible, in parentheses, it says parents. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let me share that verse with you from the, new, uh, from the Living Bible. And it says this, And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. Uh, That word suggestions, I would have to say, caught my attention because I don't think there were many suggestions in my household growing up. But nevertheless... I thought it was an interesting take on that passage. So children, honor your parents. Parents, live in such a way that you will be worthy of that honor. And really, that's the direction I want to go with this message today. Just because 
um, of our audience. It's our responsibility to become parents who are worthy of honor. Think of how much easier it makes it for children to honor us when we are honorable. Now, it's true that whether a parent is worthy or not, there is a sense in which all children should honor their parents. I understand that. But how much better it is when we live honorable lives before our children. Not perfect, but honorable. Don't get the idea that you have to be perfect to live up to the fifth commandment. You'll never be perfect, and neither will your kids. You also cannot guarantee how your kids will turn out. Some people have almost put themselves in an early grave because of a wayward child. They blame themselves. They beat themselves up. They prayed. They loved, sacrificed, instructed, and their child made bad choices anyway. Then someone hits them with this verse from Proverbs. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. You know, if you turn all the biblical Proverbs into ironclad promises, you'll lose your faith. That's what a lot of people have done with that passage in Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6, that I just quoted to you. But think about it. There are Proverbs that tell us how to be wealthy. Does that mean that everyone who follows those Proverbs will be wealthy automatically? Of course not. Many godly people who who live according to the Scriptures are not wealthy. See, a proverb is a general principle that when generally applied will have a general result. It's a short sentence based on long experience. I'm not saying that the Bible should not be taken seriously, but understand that God gave your children a will, just like he gave you and I a will. And because of that, they make their own choices. Think about it. Two of God's own didn't do so good at the very beginning. Look at the choices that Adam and Eve made. So when it comes to the family, we need to have goals for ourselves and desires for our children. My desire for my desire is for godly children and grandchildren. My goal is to be a godly father and grandfather worthy of their honor. I have goals for myself because I can control myself. Do I believe Proverbs 22.6? Absolutely, but I must remember that my children have a will of their own. So, how do we live in such a way that our children can give us honor? Well, first of all, by loving them. How do you love them? Well, not by giving them everything they want, but what they need. And I would have to say in the culture we live in, there are a lot of parents who have this one turned around. How do you love them? By appropriate, affectionate touch. 
In the story of the prodigal son, when the son came home, the scripture says, his father fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, in most cases, this kind of thing tends to come a little more naturally to to moms than dads. But frequent hugs are a good, one good way to help keep your children from growing up sexually impure. A girl who enjoys her father's hugs of affection is less likely to trade sexual intimacy for affection later. Hug kids often, affectionately, supportively, and tenderly. Chuck Swindoll has said this, many a young woman who opts for immoral sexual relations does so because she can scarcely remember a time when her father so much as touched her. Unaffectionate dads, without wishing to do so, can trigger a daughter's promiscuity. Dads, don't hold back your affection. Demonstrate your feelings of love to both sons and daughters, and don't stop when they reach adolescence. They may pretend they don't like it, but they still need it. They long for your affirmation and appreciation. They will love you for it. And more than likely, they will emulate your example when they have their own families. Then we can love our kids by blessing them. Let them know that they are special to you and to God and that they are unique just because they are who they are. Be a student of your child. As your children grow older, they need to know that you believe in them and that you have high hopes for their future. They need to know that as they hope and dream and plan, that they have your blessing to go for and be all that God wants them to be. And we also bless them by taking their joys and sorrows seriously. Don't belittle things that are a big deal to them. The joy and pain of their world is just as real as the joy and pain of yours. Um, Our daughters had hamsters as pets a couple of times in their growing up years. And I would have to say that um, they were troublesome at times. We had one escaped, and it took a while to catch him again, and by the time we did, he nearly bored through into the apartment next door. But when those hamsters died, the tendency might be just to take them out to the trash and drop them in. Goodbye and good riddance, but we didn't do that. We had hamster burials. Not because they were so important to mom and dad, but because they were important to our daughters. And for them, it was a loss. Take their joys and sorrows seriously. And then love them by listening. One of the best forms of communication is to say nothing. Be ready to listen when they're ready to talk, especially in their teen years. Decide to pay the price to listen, even if it means losing sleep. Listening is a great way to communicate your love without saying a word. When our girls were younger, 
prior to teenage years, we had a little bulletin board in the kitchen. And my wife had these relationship, relationship reminder sayings that were pinned up on that bulletin board. And one of them said something to the effect, and I don't remember the exact quote, but to the effect of showing our girls that what they had to say was important enough to us that we would bend down, get on their level, acknowledge them, and listen. Listening. We can love them by listening. We can love them by praying. Pray for them. Pray for them again and then pray for them some more. Pray, for, pray with your children. Let them see and hear you praying and teach them how to pray. Mealtime prayers, prayers at family worship, and bedtime prayers. Say to your kids that prayer is important. Love them by bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We get that, we get that admonition in Ephesians 6.4. Nothing's more important than your child's eternal destiny. Because we love our children, we must understand the vital place that spiritual training has in their lives. And yes, the church has a hand in that process, but folks, the bulk of their instruction should come at home. Deuteronomy 4, 9, and 10 reinforces this idea. It says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to, and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land, and may teach them to their children. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 and verse 7, it says this, These are the commands, decrees, and the laws your Lord, the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We have a responsibility to raise our children in the nurture and training and admonition of the Lord. And I think we find an example of this in the New Testament played out in the life of Timothy. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 1.5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, he's speaking of Timothy here, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I think what we have is a mom and a grandma who did a pretty good job of raising their son and grandson Timothy in the training and instruction of the Lord. And then, so we gain our our, our children's honor by loving them. We gain their honor by lifting them up, 
Build them up through wise encouragement and praise. Of the two, encouragement is probably the more important. It helps them get through a task or situation. Praise comes afterward. So encourage them over and over again, dose after dose, day after day. Encourage, praise, and rejoice in who they are more than in what they do. It is important to do both, but to praise for the right choices, who they are, and good character says a lot about your own values, the values that you want to instill in your children. Gain their honor by limiting them. Set healthy limits. We see a failure to do that even in the scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, God said this about the priest Eli. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Eli failed to set limits on his boys and it cost them all dearly. Parents, you already know, when you set limits, they will be tested over and over. Children push against limits to see if they will move. And if they do move, children then begin to lose their sense of security. And remember, limits must be drawn in love. But if you set firm limits, if your children know you love them, when they push against those rules and they don't move, they feel secure. You know, society in general looks on rule setting as something bad because it's but but it's one of the most valuable things that a a parent can do for their children if our children don't learn to live within within limits within limits as children when will they learn i think we're seeing the outplay of a lack of limits in the violence and destruction that is taking place in some of our cities at this very moment if we train our children to obey limit, the limits of parents that they can see, then there's a greater possibility that they will obey the limits of God whom they cannot see. And this has certainly become a more critical issue in recent decades. There's a, an increasing belief in our culture that there are no moral absolutes. In fact, one Hollywood producer said that for a sitcom to be successful, it was his belief that the script had to violate violate at least three of the Ten Commandments. Parents, you need to set loving limits and make sure those limits are guided by Scripture and not by culture. Then we gain our children's honor by leading them. Show them how to do right rather than just telling them how to do right. Live what you preach. Walk your talk. Your children will notice if you're inconsistent. They pick up on that kind of thing pretty quickly. Have you ever observed your child doing something that displeased you and then realized that 
they were actually emulating your own behavior? What do you want your child to be? And I'm not talking about their profession, but the kind of character you want them to develop and display. You've got to lead them into developing character. Show them by example what a godly man and or woman looks like. And the best way to do this is by loving and living God's word and teaching your kids to do the same. Psalm 19, in speaking of God's ordinances, states that in keeping those ordinances, there is great reward. In 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, those who, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. When you see these truths at work, point them out to your kids. And then gain their honor by laughing with them. Lighten up. Learn to laugh. See the humor in things. Make your home the happiest place on the block. And it will be a place where your children and their friends want to be. Let your children see you laugh in times of trouble. Because you understand that God is sovereign over all. In Psalm 112 verse 7, it says this in speaking of the righteous person. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. When that is true, you can laugh in the face of adversity. And when it's all said and done and we're looking back, it's the laughter we will remember. So make it a practice to laugh now so that down the road you will not wish you had laughed more. Remember Proverbs 17:22 which says a joyful heart is a good medicine. As I close I I share this proverb with you and this is from the common English version. It's Proverbs 17:6 and it says this. Grandparents are proud of their grandchildren and children should be proud of their parents. Folks, if we want our children to honor us, we need to be honorable parents so that our children can be proud of us. I'm going to close with this story from 10 Secrets for a Successful Family by Adrian Rogers. He titles this piece Hall of Fame Parents. He says, in 1993, workers doing some moving and remodeling at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, discovered something unusual. As they were moving a display cabinet, they found an old photograph tucked behind the case. It was a photo of a stocky, friendly-looking man in a baseball uniform with the words Sinclair Oil on the shirt. Stapled to the picture was a note in a man's scrawl that said, You are never too tired to play ball. On your days off, you help build the little league field. You always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. I wish I could share this moment with you. No one knew how the picture got there or the identity of the dad in the photo. A national sports magazine picked up the touching story and a man came forward to say 
that he had tucked the picture in the note behind the display case during a visit to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It seems the ball player in the photo was this man's late father. Just like the note said, this man was proud of his dad and believed he deserved uh, to receive special recognition. So he decided to honor his father by holding his own little ceremony to induct his dad into the Hall of Fame. And Adrian Rogers goes on to say, that's wonderful. What this man was saying was, Dad, you deserve a place alongside the best ball players. You were a Hall of Fame father. And then he says, I want to be a Hall of Fame. I want to be in the Hall of Fame, don't you? Let's be the kind of fathers and mothers who make it a joy and a delight for our children to obey God's command, honor your father and your mother. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I, I want to thank you for my parents. And they're, they're both gone now. But I was raised in a godly home. And so much of what I spoke of today was instilled in my life from my earliest age. And I thank you that I had the privilege of growing up in a home like that. And I trust, Father, that I myself was an honorable parent and that our three daughters grew up in a home where those principles were lived and taught as well. Then my wife, Julie, and I were honorable parents that made our daughter's job of honoring us that much easier. And Lord God, I, I know so often we, we want to look at this commandment from the point of, of, of the children. Honor your father and mother. And Lord God, I, I know that's important. But I, I really do believe it is the responsibility of Christian parents to be honorable parents and then to make this commandment that much easier for our children to obey. So, Father, if there are areas in our lives as parents or even grandparents where we're not doing the job we should do, where we've not been as honorable as we could be, when we've not shown love in the way we should show love, when we've not gained our our children and grandchildren's honor by limiting them and, 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 lo- and leading them and, and raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord and all those things that we need to do to instill those godly principles in their lives. Father, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit right now to determine to make a course correction in our lives. For your honor and glory for the good of our children, and for our own good. Because, Lord God, we enjoy the fact that this is a commandment with a promise. If we do this, we will live long in the land. We will enjoy the blessings of God all of our lives. So thank you for this commandment. May we take it to heart today, and may we live it more effectively than ever. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us again today. God bless you.